Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hour number two of the show, we've got our initial unveiling of our NFL Power 12. 12 teams I think are going to make the playoffs pre-training camp style, subject to revision before the season. But take a little fun look at that. Some NFL headlines and an NFL and NFC South preview with Kevin Boylard of 24-7 Sports and friend of the show. He's great. Stay tuned to that. And, yes, we will get into this LFU athletic and academic funding debate that we had on social media and they had on Sports Talk yesterday. Haven't had a chance to talk about that last couple of days here on this show. So I'm going to want to talk to you about this. Because I think I have, for some reason, and I don't really understand it, a differing opinion than most. And I don't really understand why I have a differing opinion than most. I would have thought most people would agree with me in principle. But apparently that hasn't been true, at least on social media. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll tonight it's gonna to be drew Brees's last season what do you think yes or no cast your vote right now at wwl.com and right now 57 percent of you are saying no and number nine will be back for another season 43 percent say yes saints did make a move today they added a guy that can give them a little pass rushing potential maybe play on special teams they signed linebacker josh martin his best season came in 2017 31 tackles, one and a half sacks, eight quarterback hits, and 14 games for the Jets. In his career, this is from Steve Geller online, he's appeared in 51 games, 10 starts, 61 tackles, two and a half sacks. So this isn't a star. This isn't a guy who's going to contribute on defense much, if at all. Maybe a special teams guy and another camp body can give you a veteran presence there. You can find the story on Martin online. Again, WWL.com. Just go to the Saints section. Nice job by Steve Geller on that. Let's go to the phone lines. And a lot of you still want to talk about what Mickey Loomis had to say, Michael Thomas contract negotiations, and Drew Brees. We'll start with Ray and Algiers, who's been hanging on. Thanks for hanging on, Ray. What you got? Hold on. Hey, I just wanted to comment that when Drew Brees' salary negotiations were at issue, he didn't attend training camp either. And when uh, I love Drew Brees, he is the goat. But um, you know, I don't, I don't see why this is such a big deal. And Drew Brees, when he was uh, testifying, I believe in Texas, when he recently filed suit, he was not also originally, I think, uh, at some of the the training. So that's my comment. I, I certainly want Michael Thomas back. Yeah, I don't remember though, and uh, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal at all, Ray. And I'm with you there. Like this is, I think it's a lot. And I understand why people. Let me let me backtrack from that a little bit, because I do understand why people are concerned because you don't see players hold out like this. But Drew Brees, it was different. Drew Brees might have missed some off-season activities. He never held out during, you know, training camp as they got those deals done and, and got him in camp and got him here uh, for the season. So it's a little bit different. But, but yeah, I, I agree with your general point here, Ray, that don't worry about it if you're a fan. This deal is going to get done, even though I wouldn't necessarily pay him as much as it looks like he's going to get paid, and I think a lot of general managers across the league would not. It's going to get done. It would be the, the stunner of all stunners if Thomas is not – in camp by August 6th, and he doesn't have a new contract by at least 
the uh, week one of the regular season. It's going to happen. Thanks for hanging on. Thanks for listening, Ray. Let's go to Thomas in New Orleans. You want to talk a little Mickey Loomis, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, Mickey, come on, bro. Along with the rest of the NFL front offices, you give yourself a black guy, no pun intended. All these guys have moral clauses in their contracts. And when the moral clause is breached, the contract is null and void. So I don't know what, what's the problem. If you're sitting in the hole, you've breached your morals contract. You don't deserve to be in an NFL uniform. And, I mean, what do they think? Well, we didn't get anything for him. You know what? That's part of doing business. You gave him a big bonus. You may try to sue him and get that back. I don't know what the contract reads with each individual player. But this is ridiculous. Every time this comes up, you know, a front office guy gets in front of Cam to say, well, we've got to let the legal system play. What, play out what? He's sitting in the can. Yeah, and Thomas is, just for, for our listeners, Thomas is referencing Carl Granderson, who is in jail right now for sexual assault and battery. The judge threw out a plea deal and said, no, this plea deal is too lenient after hearing from the victims in this. So he is in jail. This isn't a charge or hearsay. He's in jail for this. Thomas, and, and I'm with you, but I, I would say let's wait Let's wait until Granderson's actually playing for this team or comes to camp before we get too worked up because there's a lot of, and I don't know them all, I know there are, there's a lot of things that when Granderson is still on your roster, and he is, he's on this reserved list, when he's still on your roster, there's some things that the general manager can't say. There's also a little, there's reasons that he might not be released just outright and right away. There's a reason you got to place them on these reserves and exempt lists. But I'm with you. And I look, I will be the first guy to get here and do multiple segments. If I see Carl Granderson anywhere near a Saints roster, active roster, practice squad, training camp squad, I'll be the first guy to go absolutely bananas about that because you're right. When you're sitting in the can for doing something is and that not all jail sentences or prison sentences are made equal in my mind. You got a drug charge, something like that. Um uh, something to do with, you know, you didn't pay your bills. That's different than sexual assault. I don't want to get too worked up about this because I'd, I I would expect that he's not on the Saints roster for much longer once that gets all worked out. But I, I share, I will share your frustration if that actually happens, Thomas. Thanks for the call. I want to get to a text here from the, uh, let's see, from the 985. I can't believe, wow, this guy's fired up. I can't believe... I'm just going to do the best voice I can. I'm, I'm imagining this is what this is what was going through his head when he texted. I can't believe you invite us, the guest sports expert who presents factual information to support his professional expansion, uh, per, uh, opinion, and you just gloss over it. Doug Mouton is right. Because our receivers and backs break a lot of tackles doesn't mean the defenses won't adjust to make more tackles. Oh, again, look at the Dallas game last year. And then I, I replied back, glossing over what? Doug Mouton and I agreed on everything, I thought. And 985 replied again. You tried to discredit his fact that we were, in all caps, last in downfield passes, citing yards after catch as a legitimate explanation. No, I'm not glossing over that at all. At all. I'm not glossing over that at all. That is a fact. I don't discredit factual information. What I did ask Doug Mouton, and he agreed with me on this. So, again, we were in lockstep the whole way. In those limited throws, Drew Brees was the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL. He was the highest-rated quarterback on throws 20-plus yards downfield. 
That has nothing to do with yards after catch or dump-offs to Alvin Kamara that go for 20 or 30 yards. That is also a fact. So now you are discrediting me on my radio show, and I'm going to call you out for it. That's how what I feel like doing. Let's go to Elwin downtown. Elwin, what's up? Hey, man, you made a comment about the guy that the Saints pick. He's in jail. Let me say this. If he served his time in jail and he's squeaky clean after he gets out of jail, let him get, give him a chance to make the team. And the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is this. Players hurt themselves. Society needs to help them to get back on their feet. And that's that's now, not that's true. Ellen, Ellen, let me ask you this. I, if, I had, if I had went to jail or prison for sexual assault, do you think I'd be on, on the show? Do you think I'd be having a, a job on the radio? I know, but the thing so is... So what's, what's the difference here. for a football player? Well, the difference is for a football player is that when he gets out of jail, he doesn't have a job. So I'm sorry, there are many... What, what's the difference here? Because I can't be on the radio? I, I, you're saying that I, I could find another job, but this guy couldn't? I don't understand your point here, Elwin. I know, but he went to college. He, he put his whole life in football. He went to college for football. And he was he also... Went to college for I did, but Elwin, he was—he was a. I believe he was 20, 20 years, twenty-one years old when this happened. He's not a fourteen, fifteen-year-old kid. These are decisions he made that were profoundly terrible decisions, and yet he pays his debt to society. He can perhaps make that up and rehabilitate himself. But as a business, as an organization, the Saints and the NFL, this guy should not sniff the field. Okay, but what about okay? What about O.J. Simpson? If O.J. Simpson killed all those people, right, and 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 say if he wanted to apply for, apply for football, and they let him in football, they would not. Elwin, I, I'm just I don't want to drag on to this. I don't want our show to get settled about this. I'm sorry, he was out of football. O.J. Simpson, when that happened, if O.J. Simpson was playing when he was charged and went through that trial, there is zero chance he would have played another game in the NFL. Zero chance. Logan, you can come on here. What would you say? Logan Falgu behind the glass. About about the whole O.J. Simpson thing. If he was playing football when he when he got charged with, with the murders, it, not a team in the league would have touched him with a 10-foot pole. Like, nobody wants that to, to be on there. Right. It's, like, it's an organizational decision, right? Yeah. And I, I didn't get I, – I, frankly, I just I, – I, as respectfully as I can, Elwin, I, I disagree with you. Logan, you, you wouldn't have – we wouldn't have our jobs in oh. this organization for Intercom and Intercom New Orleans and Radio.com if we were charged and went to prison or jail for the things that Carl Granderson did. Yeah, exactly. So I don't understand why there's a double standard to some just because the guy plays football. My goodness. But thanks for listening, Elwin, just because we disagree there. Might agree on other things. Sam and Gretna, you want to talk also about Granderson? Hot topic. Hey, Seth, I'm so glad y'all are back on, man. I can't, I can't do the network radio thing. I, I <laughs> appreciate it. it man. I appreciate it. I can't do it. Welcome back. I was worried that they had changed up the schedule or something. But originally, I was going to get on Michael Thomas, but after the previous caller, before Elwin, uh, I got a call on Audible. Uh, that situation was in the back of my mind. But these accusations, and he went to court before the Saints signed him. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, why? The guy can't be that great. And, and what's that guy up in Kansas City, that running back, that they signed 
Uh, Kareem Hunt. You saying Kareem Kareem Hunt? Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, now he's, has he been convicted of anything, or is that an accusation? I I okay. believe. Boy, I, I to be honest, I don't want to say anything on on the radio that I'm not quite sure of. I know Tyree Kill, yeah, yeah. the charges don't were dropped. Kareem Hunt, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, this guy's been, and, and it, it's not like like, and 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 I don't drink. I almost got killed by drunk drivers that head on. If someone had like a DWI. And went to jail. Okay, uh, I remember uh, Stallworth used to play receiver for the Saints. There was a death involved and all that. Uh, that that's it, it, I, I'm I'm violently uh, 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 zealous about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my 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 nephew and his buddy from the Navy on Liberty got killed by by drunk drivers on St. Bernard Highway. They were riding their bike. Guy pulled right in front of them. They didn't. They, they had no prayer. That's awesome. So there's no one more militant about that. But this sexual assault thing, he's been it's not a it's not an accusation, yeah, right. it's a conviction. And again, he faced this stuff before the Saints signed him. And uh, I have no GM experience at all and Mickey Lomas's track record speaks for himself, but and not to put him in the same category by any means. Uh, this is a different problem. This is a not growing up problem. Junior Gallat and again, I'm not putting him in this category at all. You know, someone that is just never going to grow up. Yeah, right. Uh, and Sam, haven't I'll, we learned our lesson with that? That's it. Haven't we learned our lesson? And why are you taking this risk with this guy? But again, I will go back to what I said before. I don't want to get too worked up myself about this until we see, well, he's still on the roster when he's out of jail and all of a sudden he shows up to camp or, or the practice squad or whatever it is. Then I'll be the first guy to go, what in the world? Come on. You, you're really doing that for this guy? All right, let's go to Nathan in Dallas. Nathan, thanks for listening. Hey, Seth. First of all, Cowboys suck. Just want to get that out. <laughs> okay, not um, a not a Cowboys fan in Dallas. All right, I got it. Uh, I'm part of the I'm part of the DFW Nation on Twitter, baby. All right, there you go. So that, we rock it. I tell I tell Christian and Bobby every time I call. No, um, real quick. Number one, don't worry about Michael Thomas. We're going to give him twenty mil. The only problem I have is with Kamara getting having to get paid soon. Where's the money going to come from for Drew if he does come back next year? Or is he going to have to take a substantial pay, uh, pay cut in order to come back? Because we're already, I think, at $144 million of the cap already set up for next year. Anyway, um, the reason why I called is because, of Seth, I've worked radio before for a short time. Um, I know you do. You've worked it for a while, Christian, Bobby. I'm 99% certain, just like in my contract, there was a morals clause. And if you do anything, whether it be criminal or not, that that sh- that 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 desecrates not desecrates but um, tarnishes the good name of the company you work for, that is considered a breach of contract. It is. So yeah. yeah, you were saying if you went on and you said a prof- uh, you said a racial slur, I'm not saying you would, or you went and posted something on Facebook or said something or was caught on video doing something. WWL could probably terminate you for breach of contract. They could. They could, Nathan. You're 100% right there. We got to get to break, and that's why I just I, – I am so passionate about topics like these, A, because women have been subjected to this for far too long with very little repercussions for the men, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this is coming to light over the last few years, much more 
fervently than it had before, much more regularly than it had before. But also, I, I'm I'm an advocate that just because somebody plays sports or makes a lot of money or is famous or whatever it may be, that doesn't exempt them from the morality of our society. Just because they play football doesn't mean, well, they play football, so they should be allowed to do this because you know, they, they rush the quarterback pretty well. Boy, I guess this will be a hot topic if Granderson's still on the team in a few months when his jail sentence is up. 504-260-1870, text lines 870-870. Didn't think it would be that hot of a topic. It's good on you, listeners. When we come back, NFL Power 12 rankings. We will unveil those next. Kevin Boiler in about five minutes. But first, oh, it's our first NFL Power 12 rankings of the season. Pre-training camp version. Yes, I reserve the right to revise these before the season. And as we go throughout the season each week, we'll do this. But these are the 12 teams, which is why it's called the Power 12, that I think will make the playoffs in the NFL. 12 playoff teams each season. These are the 12. A lot of familiar names here, and I'll go in order 1 to 12. The New England Patriots, no surprise, until you knock off the champ, especially how they've won recently. The Patriots will stay at number one. The Chiefs are number two. I love what they have back. They're better on defense. Patrick Mahomes a year better coming off that MVP. Chiefs two. Saints are number three. I think they're the most talented team in the NFC. They have almost everybody that matters back. They're a little deeper. I love the Saints. Indianapolis Colts are at four. This is the best team that Andrew Luck has had. I think they are finally true title contenders. First time you can say that for him. Eagles are five. Carson Wentz, if he's healthy, this is a Super Bowl contender. Chargers at six. Ah, always talented, but no playoff success for Phillip Rivers. We'll see if that changes. Falcons are at number seven. Third best team in the NFC, I think, and a serious challenger in the NFC South to the Saints. Vikings at eight. I think they win the NFC North. I think they're better on defense, and I think they're much better, more balanced on offense. Rams at nine. Rams had... Lots of attrition in free agency. Their offensive and defensive lines won't be as good. Rams aren't the team that they were last year. I think they take a step back. Ravens at 10. They're my dark horse in the AFC. Love that offense. Defense, we'll see. Bears are 11. I think the Bears get back to the playoffs, regress a little bit in year two under Matt Nagy. And I'll throw the Cleveland Browns in here. I'll throw them a bone, dog pound. I'll throw you in at number 12. They'll make the playoffs as a wild card team. In the AFC. Kevin Boyler next. Welcome back to the show. Saints training camp is here. Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis speaking out at camp today. We'll actually hear their full press conferences in the 10 o'clock hour of the show, 1030 and 1045. Let's get an NFL camp preview, NFC South preview with Kevin Boyler of 24-7 Sports, writer and sports anchor there. He's on Twitter at 247 Kevin Boyler. Kevin, welcome back to the show. How are you, man? Great, great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, I, I, let's touch on the Saints here, but I want to touch really outside the Saints with you for most of our time together tonight. Do uh, you still think the Saints are either the best team in the NFC or right there is one of the best teams in the NFC? Yeah, absolutely. And we saw last year how balanced they were, not just on offense and defense, but on both elements of offense, passing and running the ball. Uh, Drew Brees is still playing at an extremely high level. Sean Payton is one of the most forward-thinking coaches still in the league, and uh, he's kept them out of the curve, and I like where the Saints are heading into 2019. Are you paying Michael Thomas $20, $21 million a year? Well, I think he's definitely demanding that type of consideration. Am I making up the highest-paid receiver? I think there's a little bit of a standoff going on between him and Julio. 
Yeah, I think so, too. It's almost almost like a game of chicken where, well, let's see who goes first. I want you to go first. No, we're going to wait. <laughs> so it's, it's very interesting to watch it happen and watch this play out inside the bubble. Uh, NFC South, Kevin, I've said this on my show last couple of weeks quite a bit. I think the Falcons are not only serious contenders in the South, I think they're serious contenders in the NFC. Would you agree or disagree there? I think they're definitely contenders, and anytime you have – some of the defensive players that they have, including Deion Jones, who they just locked up, and Greg Jarrett, who they just locked up, locked up as well. Plus a quarterback who's played on an MVP caliber level in the past, and Matt Ryan, and a receiver like Julio Jones. You have to look at that team as a serious contender. Now, the Falcons have had this weird, you know, snake bittenness about them, whether it's just been bad luck or injuries, but. They haven't really lived up to their expectations, and it just feels like they're a team in decline, even though they're locking up these major pieces and still have all these great players. It feels like their window is, it's not closed, but it's missed their most maximum openness, I guess you could say. So the Falcons are a weird team for me. Yeah, it's only, yeah, their window's diminishing, I would agree. And I've talked to a lot of people in Atlanta, and I guess they disagree on whether Dan Quinn's on the hot seat or not. I've had some people actually tell me yes. Is, is he on the hot seat, Kevin? Could we see if things don't go right here, if they don't make the playoffs, they make a change? I definitely think his seat is warming up. It's It's been warm since the Super Bowl. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. But, yeah, I mean, last year – not finishing, finishing, you know, outside of the playoff race is not where the Falcons want to be. They're trending the opposite way from when they made it to the Super Bowl. And, you know, their offense has taken a clear step back since, uh, you know, losing Kyle Shanahan to the 49ers. And they've been trying to reclaim that offensive magic that they had with Matt Ryan and Julio. So I think that there's definitely uh, plenty of pressure on Dan Quinn. And I think if things start to go you know, under 500, yeah, he could lose his job. There's also a lot of pressure in Charlotte on Ron Rivera and Cam Newton as well. It seems like, Kevin, these are make-or-break years for both Ron Rivera, certainly on the hot seat, and also Cam Newton, who's up for a new contract. It'll be interesting to see his season and if the, the Panthers pay him big. Yeah, to be honest, I really think that Ron Rivera's on less of a hot seat than Dan Quinn is because a lot of last year's you know downfall had to do with Cam Newton's injury before that he was putting up numbers that were rivaling what he did during his MVP season the Panthers were six and two and appeared to be destined to a second straight playoff appearance so I, I'm not as sold that Ron Rivera is on the hot seat um, especially because I think there's a little bit less pressure there in Charlotte. how good can the Panthers be this year I think if Cam Newton is truly healthy and what it looked like from the first practice the Panthers had today. Uh, he could throw the ball. It's not an Andrew Luck situation where they're hiding his arm. He's throwing the ball 40-plus yards of practice. If he could throw like that and he could run and, and stay healthy, then they could be the team that we saw a few years back go to that played the, uh, the Denver Broncos. They've got a great running back in Christian McCaffrey, and they've got pieces on defense as they've had uh, for a while, but now they've added Brian Burns, who should give them a legitimate force on the edge. They've always had the players in the middle. Now, and, uh, and including Luke Keekley, I could see them as a, a contender coming out of the NFC South. That's a scary thought for all the Saints fans listening to us tonight. The wild card for me in this division, and I can't wait to watch this play out, is, is Tampa. And Bruce Arians is there. The quarterback whisperer, he's got Jameis Winston. How good or not good do you think they can be in year one of the Arians era? I'm not a big believer in the Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's nothing against Bruce Arians. I just think he's inheriting maybe a problem that's a little bit over his head. Bruce Arians said 
last year that he wouldn't consider any job other than the Browns job. And then he went and took the Bucks job, which really wasn't that an appealing job, especially when you look at what the Browns job that Freddie Kitchens got with Baker Mayfield and the plethora of offensive weapons he's got. Instead, Bruce Arians gets, you know, a quarterback who we don't know who he is in Jameis Winston. We don't know if he has a maturity level to be an NFL quarterback even and the leader of the franchise in a contract year. It's not the ideal situation. He's got some pieces, but, you, you know, you start your defense. Jason Pierre-Paul was put on the non-football injury list today. I just don't think the Buccaneers are going to be a contender in year one or their areas. We're chatting with Kevin Boyler of 24-7 Sports, sports anchor and rider there here on the last lap. Uh, across the NFC, Rams certainly – in everybody's eye and mind as they made the Super Bowl run last year, didn't really have a great free agency period. Lots of attrition on both sides of the football, Kevin. And as these power rankings start to come out, I'm noticing most of the experts kind of agree there. Rams falling low single digits in the teens. Uh, Is it going to be that big of a fall for Los Angeles? We'll have to see. I mean, if what the Patriots did to the Rams – can become a blueprint for everyone to stop Sean McVay's offense, then sure, they'll take a steep decline, I would imagine. But I think the bigger question is if they're going to be able to run the ball. That was what they did so well last year. And when they ran the ball, Jared Goff played well. The defense was taking the ball away, and they were able to control the the game on offense. But Todd Gurley's got that injury, the knee issue that may creep up at some point in the season. I know he says he's healthy now. And they lost uh, C.J. Anderson in free agency. So I think that while the biggest thing when it comes to running the ball is the strength and the cohesiveness of your offensive line, the Rams are kind of thin at at running back, and I wonder what Jared Goff would look like if he didn't have a a strong running game, Uh, probably what he looked like in in the Bears game and in the Patriots game in the playoffs. That was not good. That would be not good for Jared Goff. Uh, 49ers. It seemed like every year we hear, oh, 49ers, dark horse. Is this final of the year that we see 49ers, Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs? We'll see. We'd like to see Jimmy Garoppolo in a larger set. I mean, can you think of a guy that's had more hype and really more dollars paid to him or promised to him, I guess you could say, in a contract form than, than, than someone who's played in fewer games than Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, we only got him for three games last year. He had some nice moments. He seemed to be leading a comeback against the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs when he went down. I would have loved to see what that team could have done with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo. They got him some more weapons. There's some interesting battles brewing on the outside. A wide receiver, I'd love to see what Devo Samuel can do in his rookie year. Jarek McKinnon, of course, coming back from injury as well. I think that the 49ers can make some noise. They've got players on both sides of the ball. But I don't know if they're going to overtake the Rams at the West. Uh, let's go up north because you know, the NFC North is always fascinating. I think it'll be as fascinating as ever this year. Vikings, Bears, and Packers. How do you handicap that race? I actually like the Packers in this in this race, mainly because of Aaron Rodgers. I'm still a big believer in him. But the new head coach, Matt LaFleur, I think is going to be the perfect fusion of youthful energy that this team can rally around, but also not too imposing to still let Aaron Rodgers run this team. He, that's one of the most dangerous and underrated connections, by the way, in the league, is Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. They scored, I think, connected for 35 touchdowns over the past three years. I know that Rodgers missed some time over that, and some of those touchdowns are coming from Brett Hundley, but Devontae Adams is one of the most underrated receivers in the league. They've rehauled their defense this offseason. I like Darius Smith to become a breakout pass rusher for him. I think that the Packers have more pieces, or they're hungrier for a championship, considering how long they've waited since their last one. 
than the rest of the division. How big of a year is this for Aaron Rodgers' legacy, considering the, the hits that's taken over the last couple of seasons? Well, I think he did take a little bit of a hit last year, with, and the year before with the injury, and then this year playing through an injury, but losing the head-to-head battle with Tom Brady definitely hurt. Missing the playoffs definitely hurt. But Aaron Rodgers still has that mystique to him that anytime he's in a game, you know he's got a chance to win it. It doesn't matter what his teammates are doing. He can do it. He can put it all on his own shoulders and win the game. So I still think that Aaron Rodgers has the je ne sais quoi that people admire and NFL fans all are intimidated by if you're rooting for the other team. So I'm, I'm still a big believer in Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think too much of his legacy is riding on what happens this year. Yeah, isn't one of the scariest things in football uh, with five seconds left or something and the Packers down six and Aaron Rodgers throwing a Hail Mary or I don't know, maybe they should call it a Hail Aaron or something into the end zone. Uh, we're going to see a few more of those. It's been it's been incredible. Other teams in the NFC, Kevin, that we haven't touched on that you think might be contenders? Well, we didn't talk at all about the NFC East. That's and true. I think that that division is pretty wide open. Uh, the Redskins and Giants are big question marks. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles, two years removed from their Super Bowl championship, but made the playoffs last year. No Nick Foles now. Dallas Cowboys, they made the playoffs last year and actually advanced past the Seattle Seahawks into the next round but lost to the Rams. I could see either of those teams going back. They've got players on both sides of the ball. But I really honestly could see either the Giants or the Redskins surprising and winning this division. We've seen it won before at the 9-7 and seven range, and it's always such a dogfight. So I can't wait to see what comes out on top. Yeah, it's always fun, the NFC. You mentioned a team there we never talked about, the, the Seattle Seahawks. I, I saw, again, on these power rankings, I saw everybody, okay, Seahawks, big contender in the NFC. Watch out, young Pete Carroll team. And then they lose a defensive lineman, Jaron Reed, and everybody changes their opinion. Was Reed that important? Does that change the complexion of their season that much? Big player, but they paid Russell Wilson the big bucks because they go as he goes now. And I think what was really admirable about Pete Carroll's coaching job last year is I thought that with all the off-season turmoil that they had gone through and with so many of the personnel changes and how unhappy Earl Thomas was with the team, I thought that all of that was going to amount to the Seahawks bottoming out last year. Instead, they rallied. They redefined themselves as a run-first team offense. And they led the league on the ground. And – and they made it back to the playoffs playing a completely different brand of football. So I think that Pete Carroll's a great coach. Russell Wilson's a great quarterback, and they could be contenders, but I just don't see the top-end talent on that team. Yeah, maybe a year or two too soon again for Pete's crew out on the West Coast. He's Kevin Boylard, writer and sports anchor at 24-7 Sports and on Twitter at 24-7 Kevin Boylard. Kevin, always appreciate it. We'll talk some AFC next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, there he goes. What do you think? You can give us a call, 504-260-1870. Who are the contenders in the NFC? Where'd you disagree? Where'd you agree with us? Area code 504-260-1870, and our text line is 870-870. Also on the dockets, we'll talk a little LSU athletic and academic funding disparity debate that spurned on social media over the last few days. I'm Seth Dunlap. The last lap continues on WWL. Will this be Drew Brees' final season? That's our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. Right now, 57% saying no, it will not be. 43% are saying yes, it will be. I want to briefly touch this hour on the debate that ran rampant, very heated debate on social media over the disparity between LSU academic and athletic funding. 
and I was off the last couple of days sick, and I would have loved to have this conversation as they did on Sports Talk. Bobby and Christian getting very passionate about this. This is all spurned on by the $28 million new sports operations building and also the new locker room for the LSU players that was unveiled on Monday. And I said, and I maintain, those locker rooms are incredibly cool. I don't have any problem on its face, although it's a, you know maybe it's a little bit of excess. But a little bit of excess when you're rolling in that kind of money, you're making that kind of money, I'm talking about the LSU program and college football in general, I kind of get and I don't have any problem with the LSU Athletic Department accepting that money or building those facilities. I also don't have a problem with the players loving that. And I don't have the problem with private donors giving money to whatever cause that they want. I have no problem with that at all. What I will say is this demeaning and degrading of anybody, anybody who thinks that we should prioritize academics over athletics or academics on the same level as athletics has gotten to an absurd level by so many around LSU. And I'm not saying around necessarily LSU. I'm saying LSU fans. I've seen it on social media. If you stayed away from it, good on you. If you don't agree with that, good on you as well. I'm somebody who works in sports for a reason. I love sports wanted to do this all my life, and I'm fortunate enough to be doing this all my life. It seems pretty frivolous in the grand scheme of things, considering all the things that are much more important in life. We like it. It's entertainment. It's, it's an escape from our reality. But the reality includes education for our youth. And frankly, that should come before athletics at any, at any sort, at any level. Everything I just said is true before that. Don't blame LSU for accepting the money. I think the new locker rooms are super cool and going to help recruiting. And all those boosters, you donate to what you want. You make that kind of money, any kind of money, small, big, large, doesn't matter. You, you donate to the causes you want to donate to. My point has always been, especially on social media, is that, well, it's okay. We can have that view and still say, well, LSU – and the people, the alumni, the people in the state, the people around the school and the university, they really got to start worrying about academics as much as they do athletics. And I will say, I'm using LSU as an example here because that's the school we talk about a lot, and that's the state institution that all of the conversation has revolved around. This is not an LSU problem. This is, a, in my mind, a societal problem where I think we have our priorities upside down. And to this point... And this is from, I believe, t late 2017, courtesy of The Advocate. So it's a little dated, but the latest research that we have on this. LSU is last in the SEC in the percentage of its alumni that contribute to university academics. Only 6% of alumni contribute to the university's academic side. By comparison, 20% of Arkansas's alumni 19, Vanderbilt. 16 from Mississippi State and Alabama. Second to last was South Carolina at 8%. LSU needs an outreach program to reach out to their alumni for academics like they do athletics. I think that's an issue. It's not just on the alumni. It's on the people who need to solicit those contributions. Also, LSU 
is the only SEC university that at that time reported more contributions to its athletic foundation, the Tiger Athletic Foundation, than its academic foundation. The only school in the SEC more money going to athletics than sports, donation-wise. Uh, academics than athletics, pardon me, donation-wise. LSU had $45 million, a little over that, donated from 2010 to 2014 to athletics, $36.8 million donated to the academic side. The study's a little dated, but it's the closest data, the most recent data that I could find. In my mind, that's a problem. But it's not an LSU problem other than they're like so many schools from across the country that have this issue. What I would say to the Tiger players, Joe Burrow, Michael Divinity, others who on social media have just chastised every person and then had to delete tweets, even Joe Burrow did, who might think, well, we got to prioritize academics a little bit here. We should. We should. That doesn't mean we necessarily prioritize or give less money to the athletic side, but we got to find a way to make academics as important to donors, to the youth, to the alumni, to everybody in this state as we can because it's too important. And remember, I'm somebody who's inside this bubble. I'm not anti-LSU. I'm not anti-college football. I'm not anti-college athletics. I'm just very, very pro-education. So let's stop demonizing the people on my side. I will tell you, I have never been cursed at, called every vulgar name under the sun. It was incredible. Go check my timeline at Seth Dunlap when I was suggesting just that. Love everything that LSU did. Love the locker rooms. But hey... Let's talk about academics and people who are bashing those in my camp. You need to settle down a little bit. Boy, it was ugly on Twitter. And I understand it can get ugly, but it was over every line of decency, I thought. You can weigh in, 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. And our text line, 870-870. The last lap continues after this. Welcome back. Here is a text coming in from... The 504, actually, this one's from the 225. My question is, I understand that most of the money comes from the Tiger Athletic Foundation. If people donated money, aside from their TAF dues, specifically for tickets, uh, for this perfect, excuse me, I'm okay with it. But if the Tiger Athletic Foundation donated a bunch of money based on the fact that they extort from us a fee in order to buy tickets, then that is not a charitable donation voluntarily. Yeah, there's, there's nuance to this. I will say, certainly in the LSU Athletic Department's defense, and specifically the football program's defense, they make so much money hand over fist that they have donated every year, I believe this decade, or almost every year this decade, to the academic side. So they are making donations there. It's not about let's bash or take down the LSU athletic side. Let's just build up the academic side let's make sure it's a priority for really our society in general hey prioritize education like so many of us prioritize sports here's a text from the 985 figure out a way to sell a hundred thousand tickets to a math contest and you will get your answer i'm sorry that's not how education works and if that is your flippant response to hey let's make sure our youth is educated well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna donate unless i like watching a math contest well shame on you that's a, that's a horrendous way to think about academics and the value of education to our youth. I mean, that's just silly. That's one of the more silly texts I've seen. David and Jackson, welcome to the show. 
Well, yes, I just wanted to mention who that, by the way. Hey, who that? Uh, Coach Carter movie was on tonight, which kind of relates to what you're talking about here uh, with academics. Uh, definitely, that's that was just the whole deal about the movie. Uh, you know, you could play if he had a 2.0 average, but he had the kids sign a contract on his team that they had to have a 2.3 average. Uh, there was a lot of controversy, but in the long run, it's what grows a human being, what grows a person's character to be able to uh, say, hey, yes, I'm educated as well as I'm a good athlete. This is an important thing, and what you're going on about tonight just resonated with me because I just got through watching Coach Carter. Yeah. A movie that was on tonight. Great movie, and David, I appreciate the call. It is important. And and, and I guess it surprised me the reaction from – the vulgar reaction from so many, I guess, LSU fans – to my suggestion that, hey, I I want to prioritize academics as much or more than we do athletics because I, I'm not some I'm not some sports hater. I, I work in sports. I love sports. I love athletics. I love college athletics. So the reaction surprised me. Next hour, we've got Carter Bryant and Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis's press conferences. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 